0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas, and I'll be your host. And this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, drop shipping, and how you can generate a recurring income, either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this, the 100th episode of the show. Uh, I started the podcast back in September of 2017, which is almost three years ago to the day. And since then, there have been over 70,000 downloads of the podcast, which works out to obviously about 100, sorry, 700 listens per episode. Uh, The show has a 4.9 star review rating on iTunes. So thank you to everybody that uh, has left a, a review there. And I was very excited to see my very first one star review this month. So thank you to that person. Now, don't make any money from the show and there are no sponsors to speak of. It's just for the fun and the love of this business model. These last few weeks uh, have been quite challenging for me personally, and I want to thank everybody for their support, and that's one of the reasons why I haven't been releasing as many episodes as I'd like. I'm also in the process of exiting my main Amazon business, which is almost complete, and I hope to be able to share with you the story of why and how that transpired in the coming weeks or months. Okay, so this week, we are joined by my very, very good friend, Matt Hodge, who appeared as my first guest on episode two. And Matt is nuts busy, as you'll learn from our chat. So I feel quite blessed that he's agreed to come on the show once again. Uh, His first episode is actually also one of the most downloaded and commented on, so I had to get him back. And today we go deep into everything from how Matt has grown his business from Low to mid seven figures in the last three or so years and how he's been able to go from seemingly making heaps of money on paper, but still finding the business in debt to having cash in the bank simply by changing his inventory management and ordering frequency. Of course, we touch on COVID, latest, uh, Amazon's latest inventory limits and much more. Uh, so one of the things that we talk about in the show is Matt's latest venture, which is Restock Revolution, which helped him go from quite a lot of debt into a very cash flow positive business. Uh, and also his Hop-Off Winery Tours business in Adelaide, which is slightly mothballed at the moment, which we talk about, and that's called Hopper. A couple of quick announcements and shout outs before we get on with the show. So please join our Facebook group over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash Facebook and That is now up to over 1,600 members. So thank you to each and every one of you. Don't forget, I am still offering private coaching this year. So please head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Chris to book an hour session with me. And by the way, if you'd like to save 50% off your first month or 10% off for lifetime access to Helium 10, visit theaustralianseller.com forward slash Helium 10. It is an affiliate link, but it's the only way I can offer a discount. Uh, Okay, let's get on with today's show. Here's Matt Hodge. Welcome back to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast and today I am thrilled to welcome back to the show Matt Hodge from Adelaide. Uh, Matt's a very, very experienced and long-time Amazon seller and uh, you were on episode two. So I thought for our 100th episode, it'd be fantastic to get you back. So how are you, Matt? Thanks,
1: mate. Um, Yeah, good. Good and good to be back. I can't believe it's been three years, did you say?
0: It's been three years off air, yes. So we recorded in September of two thousand and seventeen. We're up to episode one hundred. So what's that? Thirty three episodes a year. I need to get wow. my skates on.
1: Yeah, you've <laughs> been no, you've been busy. That's uh, that's a great output, and um, I just can't believe how much has happened in the world of of Amazon and my business in particular during that time
0: amazing. Yeah, there's so much to cover today. So let's um, let's hop into it. Do okay. you want to quickly give us a really fast background okay. on who you are and how you got to sell on Amazon?
1: Sure. So yeah, I got into Amazon through ASM, uh, Amazing mm-hmm. Selling Machine, back in 2013. So we're in our seventh year um, and yeah, pretty much coming up to our anniversary, seventh, seventh uh, anniversary. Um, we are in the home and kitchen space. Um, we, it's my, my wife and I basically, um, run it. It's still very much a a part-time business in terms of the, the overall, uh, intensity that it requires from us. Um, prior to, um, starting this business, I was in sort of the web development world, um, agency land, consulting in that space as well. So sort of a digital marketing background. A little bit of uh, experience, a couple of years in the logistics space when I was cutting my teeth out of uni. Um, So yeah, put the two together, digital marketing and inventory and physical products was a a perfect fit.
0: Last time we spoke, you had about 120 SKUs. Right. Uh, That was three years ago. How many SKUs have you got now? We're
1: up to 180 maybe, yeah, give 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 or take.
0: So 180 products with some variations, different colors. Yeah, a lot, of, lot of variations.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've gone with um, low-hanging fruit in terms of um, expanding our range, in terms of having um, different uh, quality, I suppose. Um, uh, you can have sort of a premium or a basics version, as well as color variations of most of our, our core products. Um, and that sort of just meant that they inherited all of the reviews and ratings that we already had for our established line. Um, so just having more more product pages out there, um, and that's helped us.
0: Have you found, though, that um, I've experienced that Amazon's actually breaking out a lot, of, a lot of the variations now? Yeah. And so they're all getting their unique... Um, reviews, even if they are parent child, whereas before they used to consolidate, the reviews would all consolidate around. Yeah.
1: It's, you know, it's, and, you know there's no consistency. Um, some some products they've done that for and others are all linked. Uh, when we first um, did it, we were doing it under the, the assumption that they would all inherit the reviews because there was no mm. sign or evidence of, of anything else at that stage. And then we created all these listings and realized, nope, that none of the reviews had carried forth. So I um, launched about uh, 100. Uh, cases with brand registry and they Mm. actually did um, combine a whole bunch but there was a lot of going back and forth and asking for different representatives and stuff who could help us out (laughs) eventually we got it nailed but i wouldn't want to go through that again
0: no no it's um i think look a lot of it is just around the whole black hat world so a lot of people have been creating variations around dead listings you know the zombie listing thing where you know products might have a thousand five four and a half star reviews and you can if you can use a flat file to tack on and a variation and then take over the listing, you get all those reviews even though it's a yeah. different product. And yeah. that that was just huge last year. And I think that's the main reason why Amazon has decided to, nah, we're going to break out reviews based on individual products. And if you try and do what you're trying to do with a black hat, uh, you'll be you'll be starting with no reviews. <laughs> yeah, but it's so that no classic point.
1: Amazon thing of robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, you know, they, they fix one problem and they create others because, you know, it mm. doesn't make sense that... Products of the same color variation should have different reviews. They're exactly the same product, so they've destroyed one really powerful um, and and you know, made sense part of their site to um, to appease or, or fix another
0: problem. Classic. Yeah, that's very true. Classic Amazon, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, maybe they'll wind that back, but I doubt it. Somehow. Me too. Um, so last time we spoke, you know, you were talking a lot about potentially getting into bundling and certainly virtual bundling, right? I've actually had an episode with uh, uh, Ashley Armstrong mm-hmm. and um, she she had, she was talking about virtual bundling as well. So if you want to head back and have a look or listen to that episode, knock yourself out. Right. But did that work for you? No, <laughs>
1: no, <laughs> it didn't. Um, yeah. They, they became high value products. So that's what was appealing about it. Um, you know, for us bundling a couple of two or three products, or four products together you know was mm. making them into sort of 50 60 products which was um, appealing um we were using uh software at the time called virtual bundler um yeah. and um it, it you know at the end of the day w- what it meant was we had more ASINs that um they were fbm essentially um yeah. even though they were ultimately fulfilled by by fba um uh, fulfillment orders they yeah. were they, they were ostensibly fbm and uh, what you hand, ended up with was a bunch of virtual listings that had almost no reviews. It was really hard to launch them, um, and if you're trying to do it on mass, you know, I was trying to sort of create several hundred because I just figured, well, we'll just get as many ASINs up there as we could. Uh, mm. And yeah, we just had issues with it and it ended up being um, more trouble than it was worth at the time. So we gave it away.
0: About the eighty twenty. Exactly. We also talked a lot about um, listing optimization and really just following the playbook of. Uh, the ASM course mm-hmm. but you did a lot of really interesting things with uh, imagery uh, I really love the way that you stack your images or you might have um, two pictures in one giant image yep. and sometimes you'll even have like tile of four different shots like lifestyle shots for example in yep. one image because yep. of the resolution you can really work that and cram a lot more a uh, lot more imagery onto your listing yeah um, is that Is that something that you're still doing
1: yeah definitely um so we it allows you to get a a range of portrait and landscape photos in there so you can stack the the um or you can stack any kind of images you like really yeah yeah, no you're right it it also helps when you just can't really choose or if you've got if you need a lot of that image real estate for specification shots that really Mm. are more sort of technical detail dimensions and how things work and pointing to this and la 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 um Mm. so it all it all adds up and you need all of it so we will often give quite a lot of um, space to a large specification shot or several shots um, and then stack our lifestyle shots to an extent um, mm. and we're now starting to incorporate lifestyle with specification so you can have a lifestyle so a product that's that, that is sort of in its uh, in an environment and then actually have callouts in that so that yeah. sort of achieves best of both worlds and then we're really hot on um, wanting to include our cross-promotion image which basically basically says you know look at our range um and because we've got so many products it, it really helps to establish us as a bona fide brand um and and you know these are the other products that we've got in case you're interested so mm. um we've placed a lot of importance on that
0: back in 2017 the only folks that had access to video or be able to put a video on their ads with vendors typically mm-hmm. um that's obviously changed massively have you had any experience or success with video
1: yeah yeah um mostly because um We ended up going um, PPC with Lyran Hirschkorn's team, um, Mm -hmm. and that's been great for us. And one of the things that they're really um, pushing at the moment or trying to experiment with is um, video ads, um, Mm -hmm. which we've had great success with. And the wonderful thing about video ads is once you create the product video, uh, you can um, put it on your listing if you're brand registered, I believe. Um, So we've done that with a range of our products. But unfortunately, what it means is you end up sacrificing, I think, three image spots. So down Mm -hmm. from nine to six in order to have one video. So I don't, again, it's this Amazon thing where they solve one problem and, and create another. Um, so for us, uh, and then when we looked at the stats of those videos, we just weren't getting the the views. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've actually reverted back. And the advice that we've got from Liren as well is that you can use uh, user, you, you could potentially right. um, have mm-hmm. a customer, a so-called customer put that review, uh, put that, cust- uh, that Amazon video on there themselves. And that way you at least get the video on the product listing page um but yeah they've been really good for for the um ads and these are just sort of slideshow these aren't sort of moving high production things these are just using our existing images with just some text and some some stock music
0: yeah i think you mentioned animoto for that didn't you
1: yes yeah like and super easy yeah you can just bang yeah. them out yeah
0: is that animoto.com i believe that's so yeah that. that's yeah i've used uh, another site too called content samurai as well right which is pretty cool so you just sort of upload a script and then you can use either their stock photography or you can uh, push up your own as well so you cool. can you can basically um, pull all the product images from your amazon listing and create a whole script around that so that's pretty cool yeah and and you, i thought you mentioned voiceovers. as well yeah they yeah. did
1: voiceovers which um mm. pretty good for us non-americans to if it's any good to be able to get a, an american accent on that
0: Oh, yeah, big time. So, yeah, that's really cool. And you can pick for a man or a woman and, you know, all the different types of active voices and stuff. It's all sort of using AI. It's really quite clever. Wow! Um, it almost sounds real. It sounds like yeah. a real person. So it's, it's come like Siri.
1: come a long way since the, uh, you know, 1992 robot language.
0: <laughs> Certainly has. Um, talk to me about uh, launching now and reviews. I mean, it sounds like in the last three years you've launched – Gosh, what's that? Over 60 products. Uh, has anything changed for you in terms of launching your products?
1: Um, no, we, we still follow. We, we've got a large VIP list, which we've um, accrued, when I say large, 20-something thousand, um, which we've That's accrued huge. just through um, product inserts. Um, so just a, a nice glossy card saying, would you like to join our VIP club um, mm-hmm. in order to, I think it says, just get free samples Um um we don't we don't sort of say in exchange for reviews anymore um for obvious <laughs> <No>. reasons uh <laughs> so we're really careful about that but so we we still launch through them um and i guess that the system that we now follow is we've set up a series of landing pages um uh, just through lead pages to be honest uh and, mm-hmm. and what we do is we we mix up our our keywords so we don't um we don't target just the one or two or three top keywords. we We sort of target let's say twenty and mm. we will actually rotate through and try to give even distribution of all of those twenty keywords um, to mm. the list, um, which you can do quite easily. and um, and what we also do is we send them to ultimately the 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 URL that they get given. It is a super URL, but it sends them to um, a search result page that is filtered to just that that product basically. Um, yeah. and so by doing that, it's a search find by. Um, experience, experience on Amazon yeah. and then um, and we use rebates as well so we re- rebate through PayPal so the messaging in the email is about rebates um, the messaging on the landing pages is, is instructions on how to what's going to mm. happen you've got to buy at full price and then we'll rebate you through PayPal uh, mm. then we have a, a very basic form rebate request form once they've done that uh, and then we just do mass mass payments on, on um, PayPal to process the rebates works mm. really really well um, not only in terms of the, the VIP customer experience, um, Mm. because they, it just builds that trust through the roof. And, and those people who have had successful rebate experiences with us are so red hot on opening our emails and, you know, it just builds that whole momentum. Um, but more than that, the, the results that we have on Amazon are ridiculous. We, you know, you get to, you get to position number one for something with, with almost no reviews, um, in a matter of a few days, Um, you get the Amazon badges, you get, you get it all. Um, yeah. So it is a really powerful ranking system.
0: Yeah, three years ago, we, was, we were kind of still messing around with coupons, but yeah, rebates are hot right now. I think the the sort of the feedback that I'm seeing, certainly through some of the groups that I'm in through Slack and some others with Howard Ty, is that the rebate services uh, that were pretty hot a few years back have really I guess almost been poisoned a little bit by very low quality buyers. So, you know, without trying to call out too many of the rebate services, I think most people know who they are. Um, yeah, they're no, they're nowhere near as effective now in terms of driving rankings and if you happen to get a review out of some of those buyers yeah uh, that can really put your account at risk as yeah, well from what and I'm that's, hearing.
1: yeah if they if it shows at all um and so i guess you know yeah. it really highlights the the emphasis that amazon has put on the quality of the uh the vip or of the person who you're launching to um yes. and so obviously when it's a vip customer who has literally opened one of our packages which they bought organically um, mm. and they just happen to sign up because they, they like what they saw then they are completely independent of those rebate um, or any groups. other sort of system those groups so mm. their score is probably off the chart um, and I'm sure that's that's a major reason and the reviews stick so when they do a review it's a verified purchase and and they stick so we, we get a far higher rate of reviews than we've ever had before
0: yeah Fantastic system. It just really goes to show the importance of actually building out your own email or VIP list, doesn't it? And inserts are just such a great way to do that.
1: Yeah, it does. And and, you know, I was a bit afraid of of rebates in general, but what I love about it is that it's it's off Amazon. It's completely off Amazon, and Mm. um, you really, yeah. To me, it's just um, it's the safest way to do launches. Yeah. And ultimately, if the product's no good, then it's not going to be a successful product on Amazon. So you still need to stick to the basics.
0: That's right. Product research, though, like how are you sort of growing out your SKU list to 180 SKUs now?
1: Yeah. So uh, my wife Sue does the product research. Um, Mm -hmm. We've tried various guises of... Trying to use a virtual assistant to help with with some of the initial kind of um, gathering of lists according to certain criteria of products, um, and unfortunately mm. that hasn't worked very well. Um, I think at the end of the day, my wife just basically uses her her sort of spidey sense, um, mm. which you can only <laughs> get by being a basically the same demographic that we're that we're marketing to. So what mm. she likes is what um, she figures our customers will like. Yeah. Um and I think she she it, it is data driven, but I think she gets a lot of ideas from Pinterest, um, mm. these days as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's a huge one, and that's something that Tim Jordan and many others have really been pushing: is Pinterest, Etsy, uh, yes. yeah, looking off Amazon for inspiration and ideas, and yeah, uh, potentially and up, sourcing products, upcoming trends as well. Trends yeah. are big, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then what about sourcing? Last time you were using an agent in China, mm-hmm. who's really helped you out. F- uh, sounded like magnificently yeah how's that experience is it still working out
1: yeah um so we we had a a blip um Mm -hmm. basically i was contacted by a company that said hey i can guarantee that you're paying too much for your suppliers um, I can see your, your product um, offering and I know that we can get you far cheaper products and I guarantee you know you won't pay me a cent if I don't get you save you at least 20% and this and that mm-hmm. so I said okay well I'll, I'll buy it um, mm-hmm. let's let's go down that path and so I, I sort of opened up the books to some extent and said these are our products and these are these are the prices that we that we pay um, yeah. and this guy went off and uh, he was based in Hong Kong and he went off and um, and, and found a, a bunch of suppliers that he said were, were cheaper and, and prices came back and they were cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, it got quite close to the point where it was, okay, well, let's. I'm ready to now tell my agent or sort of do the big reveal that I've been doing this research um, uh, sort of, mm. um, what would you call it? Um, Behind the scenes? Yeah, 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 just kind of getting second due, opinions. Due
0: diligence. Like, due diligence, yeah, exactly, okay. yeah,
1: um, which everyone should be doing and I should have been doing yes. years earlier. Um, but went back to her and said look uh, these are the suppliers that we've that we've gotten these um, cheaper costs Uh, we definitely need to bring our costs down Um, and so she went off and visited some of these factories and I mean she she and then she would send me these photos of just the most disgusting factory operations dirty small cramped um, sites that she went visited that were on this guy's list and she really, you know, it kicked my ass basically because I was—I I, it was a very naive thing to to think that you can just swap and change um, suppliers, right? Um, and mm. and the lesson for me really was um was that it's you know the suppliers that you've got if they've been good for you and you've had you know minimal defects and and all the rest of it they know your product they know your packaging they know how you like things they know the quality you expect they know um all the shipping arrangement they've been doing it for years with you um you don't change that in a hurry uh you don't change that lightly um no and um unless you're swapping one big established supplier for another. So one was size and and reputation um, and sort of professionalism of the supplier, and the other is just simply their history with you. Um, And it's not even loyalty so much as just they know how to do your product and have gotten you to this point. So the chances that some other supplier are going to be able to step in and not completely stuff it all up um, you know, is 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 minimal. Um, so I sort of eased off on the idea of changing suppliers through this pushback from her. And then I mm. um, started to think more, I sort of learned a bit more about what I what rates I should probably be paying an agent. And I started to think about maybe I could bring the agent side of things um, in-house because we were paying 15%, which is what mm. we started with with her. Um, yeah. Now, 15% back in the day when it was launching a first product and I'd never done anything, that's reasonable. Uh, she had to do a lot of the heavy lifting, but these days I've made her a wealthy woman and um, we've got lots and mm. lots of, of scale. And, um, you know, so I was thinking, well, maybe I could bring it back in-house or maybe I could pay her a, just a, a wage or maybe I could hire someone in China who works for me directly. Mm. Um, but then the advice I was getting from, from experts in this space was actually, there's no such thing as someone working for you. They will be taking kickbacks from the factories, no matter what. And eventually, um, it was really scary actually the, the, the <laughs> um, realizing that you don't actually own your supply chain even if you think you do, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's through an agent or whether it's um, someone that you've got on the ground over there um, which Directly. we would need yeah. to, to manage the fifteen odd suppliers that we've got we definitely couldn't just do it sort of offshore so um so then it sort of came back full circle um, uh, I went over to Hong Kong and. Had that chat with her and she was in tears in front of me which was really hard um mm-hmm. but eventually we 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 settled and we, we negotiated down to seven percent um commission which saved me six figures um per year so that was a Mm. really good result so i got the exact same service with a you know just a a massive cost saving um and then the other area of the business that we were able to really um save was i investigated um different shipping companies um and she always said that she was never putting margin on shipping and i i do Mm -hmm. believe her but i think she just she'd found her her agent and she had never she just didn't know whether it was the cheapest or not and i went and found another another company called pgs um and they were far and away way cheaper but they were also a multinational um and so they have been they've been a revelation and now my agent offers pgs to all of her other clients as well because they're so much cheaper um but not only that the service is ridiculous like it's probably one of the best service providers in any industry in any part of my life that i've experienced so the, the communication has been top-notch um and the actual results themselves in terms of things actually being delivered when they say and cost to mm-hmm. what they say they're going to be so pgs highly recommend it
0: fantastic all right well I'll, i'm adding that to the to the list of resources that i might add a, onto yeah. the australian <laughs> seller facebook page yeah, I think that's it. an awesome one yeah look, it's it. you, i don't think you can get any higher praise than from you matt mm-hmm. so that's a good one no worries um Talking about competition, Uh, is it Mm -hmm. worse now? I assume it must be.
1: (laughs) Uh, it is but we've always just run our own race um, mm-hmm. I I used to look at all my competitors on a, on a very frequent basis and see their seller ratings which were an indication of the volume of sales they were doing and mm. compare and compare and I just don't do that anymore um, there's no point it's just it's a recipe for heartache you've just got to run your own race um, to an extent I've got a virtual assistant now who does a lot of our product checks um, you know on a very frequent basis um, so she uses helium10 for you know some automation but she also there's nothing quite like going and actually eyeballing your listings and realizing that five of your images have disappeared for some reason, or that you've got hijackers that, that you weren't getting yeah. to get works for. Um, so no, competitor, competitors, um, Not. Uh, um, yes, it has increased. Yes, it's, it's harder and harder for us to launch new products and find those opportunities. Mm. Um, but because we're in seven years, we're, we're in a lucky space where we've got a brand and people want that brand.
0: Yeah, that's right. Helium 10 is clearly the market leader now. Um, so yep. if anybody wants to sign up for Helium 10 and its tool set, just head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Helium 10. It's all one word. Um, so that'll that'll save you 10% off a month or uh, I think it's fifty percent off your first month or something like that. Um, awesome tools.
1: They want to be everything to everyone. Um, and yes, yeah, they're so far they're they're on the right track. So good luck to them.
0: Wow, well, coats sold Helium ten, I think, at the beginning of twenty nineteen. Oh. Uh, so now it's private equity owned, and right. uh, yeah, it's huge. huge that's why huge, it's huge, all, huge all the rebranding
1: that's been going on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they pumped a lot of money into it, and. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Manny's probably run off into the sunset. Right yeah, now. <laughs> why not? Um, another great tool that uh, that I've used and some of my clients use is uh, is Bindwise. I don't know if you use that to keep no. an eye on all of your listings. No, nope. absolutely Never. amazing tool. Yeah, get it.
1: Okay. Bindwise
0: dot. Well, just search on Google for Bind B I N D wise W I S E. I'm pretty sure. Uh, it's like, like a, a listings monitoring tool, is it? Yeah, but it's like enterprise level. It's unbelievable. Cool. Some, of, some of my clients are doing, you know, four or $500,000 a month and um, they, they're they constantly, you know, checking for high. They don't have to worry about checking. Like it all just happens yeah, automatically. They get nice. the alerts. Great. So that's a really cool little tip as well or tool. All right. So, what about this year then? Obviously, it's been tumultuous. Mm. Talk to me about uh, COVID and the impact that it's had this year so far.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, the biggest thing. Okay, I'm, I'm, I won't talk the all the emotional stress and everything like that, that that the whole world is going through. And there's 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 not just mm. Corona. There's n- numerous sources of that upheaval, political you know, economic everything. Um, Mm. But uh, in terms of direct impact on our Amazon, what it's meant is sales have gone through the roof while at the same time, Amazon has completely freaked out. Um, and they don't really have a choice because they've been completely inundated and, and just didn't have the, the resources to handle the, the, um, the, the, the scale that things got to at the same time as probably um, having Corona go through their workforce like a wildfire, if they're anything mm-hmm. like our 3PL provider, which also had that problem. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so on the one side, you've got a massive sales increase um, you know, for us for the whole year so far, we're up 38% on last year. Mm-hmm. Um, this is since January one um but that that's that was tempered by the fact that we were out of stock for a lot of things in the first quarter corona hadn't kicked off at that stage properly um, we had a massive disaster and on New Year's Day where our entire storefront, all of our listings were deleted. So we had to actually rebuild all of our listings. We lost all our search history, search juice, everything. So we had to, and that was where Lauren's team really came in and, and helped us um, rebuild our our search oh presence um, mm-hmm. organically, but through PPC. So his team, massive credit. They, they took us from um, 30% um, ACOS at the time to now down to sort of 12, 10%, which is, Perfect. I never thought Mm. that would happen, but he was able to do that. Uh, So we're 38% up for the year uh, to date. But if we look at since April, then we're 61% up. And if we're looking since June, we're 67% up. And that's with a lot of stockouts. And it's been a story of stockouts. It's been a story of inventory management or lack thereof this year. Um, Mm. You literally, if you look at our sales graph, it's like massive um, spike and then stock out. And then massive spike and then stock out. If we'd Mm. been in stock the whole time, we'd be up probably 90%. Um, on same time last year, and last year was a good year for us.
0: That's our best year. That's just nuts.
1: So I think, yeah, yeah,
0: sorry. Well, you mentioned yesterday when we were having a chat about talking today that your three PL, what you did was that you when it when it really hit, I think in sort of April, and Amazon was actually restricting shipments into yes. their warehouses. Right. I mean, that well, was no, that's
1: just yeah. It wasn't just that mm-hmm. they were they were first of all they were restricting. Uh, well, they blew out their own fulfillment times for FBA oh, products yeah. to to yeah. more than three, four weeks um, for all of our products, and so uh, we then did what what a lot of people were doing at the time. We already had a 3PL provider in place who was able to handle um, e-commerce fulfillment, um, yeah. and so we scrambled to create FBM versions of all of our listings, um, or certainly our top listings, and um, and we we established the the connection to that 3PL provider through a service called Ordoro. Um, who were really great. Um, and so that created the conduit from the Amazon FBM orders through to the um, the pick pack labeling system, whatever, at the 3PL provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and so then when we turned that on, um, yeah, they were, they were getting a lot of uh, orders through there, mm-hmm. but they were completely curtailed by. Um, the fact that Corona ripped through their workforce. So they were down to absolute skeleton staff, most of whom were fresh recruits or contract workers being brought in. Um, And then you also had the riots, the Black Lives Matter movement happening. Mm. This was in California, right outside their door. So um, truck companies, UPS were not coming to do pickups. They couldn't, couldn't get through. Um, And so our ability to, it just, it just, I turned everything on its head um and then what ended up starting to happen? so I was already starting to think the big risk here is is my seller account I've never done f b a properly before, and the reason that I love f b a is that it keeps you sweet with Amazon, which is the biggest risk in this whole business mm. so um the, turning on f b m is is one of the few things if you muck around with that and you don't get that perfect um then your seller account can can be suspended and and I've never had that before I never want to have that before uh, again mm. so um and then what happened was the – the uh, because it was such a messy situation that the stock at hand figures that, that the 3PL provider had on their system started to not match reality because everything was just a mess. Um, and so they, they ended up sort of saying that they had stock that they didn't actually have. So we were receiving orders and money um, for, for orders that we couldn't fulfill. And that was a Cause huge – Because you didn't have the stock. Because you didn't have the stock because the, the whole um, accounting system was oh out. Oh, my God. So we turned it off and we just basically went back to, to FBA. And luckily by then, their the, um, fulfillment times had come right down. Then you've got the the um, IPI limitations, um, which didn't affect us. We've, we've been over 500, um, only just scraped in, um, to be honest. Yeah. But um, So that was okay. But then you had the ASIN level storage limit, which they've never done before. And which no. is just a, an absolute knee-jerk, hardcore overreaction in my, I mean, I say overreaction. I don't know what the, how bad things are on Amazon's side. They must be terrible, mm. but you know, how we've got seasonal products that are like literally Christmas themed products that only sell in December. And these mm. ASIN level storage limits are based on your most recent three months of sales. Well, yeah. why would a Christmas product be selling anything more than ones and zeros for the last three months? And so obviously you've got storage limits on that of 200 when it'll sell yes. 10,000 in December. So yeah. we've had to place our Christmas order recently and basically make the, the decision, the high risk decision that something will change or we will be able to make it change somehow closer to the time. Let's place the order that we want to place and mm. have faith that Amazon will come good between now and then.
0: Yeah, well, look, I mean, you know, uh, Helium 10, Bradley Sutton did, a, uh, I guess, an experiment recently yeah. uh, with a new launch product and found that they were able to increase the IPI score, but it took like three weeks. Oh, not yep. the IPI score, sorry, the storage limits on the ASIN level. Yes. And then even then the increases weren't very dramatic. It no. went from 200 to 350 or something. Yeah. I can't quite remember the exact numbers, but yeah. you know that's that's December, isn't it? You know, In terms of um, you know that's just not going to work. So, well, it, it's I mean, not,
1: especially when you've got um, Amazon receival delays of up to several weeks as well. So how on earth are you meant to yeah. be sending um, 300 in every day and expect i mean you just cannot run your supply chain that way and so amazon has thrown us all under the bus unfortunately um at the moment and i just hope that they're able to that it's a temporary hardcore measure to just clean up and get back in control on their side and yeah. then they they relieve relieve the, uh, the limitations i hope yeah me too. It's, yeah
0: just what a what an s show yeah. Exactly. By the way, um, also, I just wanted to just clarify the IPI is the inventory performance index. So that is something that Amazon sellers have to contend with as well. And Amazon, in the last year or two, has placed this score on our inventory performance um, so that if you're not selling through inventory, quickly enough and you're leaving a lot of inventory lying around in their warehouse um your score plummets to and lower up, as as opposed to best bestseller rank lower is worse <laughs> yeah it's
1: the, the the harsh thing about it chris is i mean th- there's four metrics in there one of them is your in stock rate or your out of stock rate um and yet you know it's impossible to be to be in stock for everything during corona so it's it, it's just impossible so they're still penalizing you at the same level that they were before it feels like despite mm. that being an absolute impossibility um yeah it's yeah. it's really hard to to achieve and i think that it used to be 400 the ipi in order to for you to be able to send in so called whatever you want um, yes, to have the limits. and yeah. now it's no it's got to be 500 which is really quite high and a lot of people yes. haven't met it um mm. and but at the same time then you've got asin level um limits anyway so
0: yeah, you're yeah. Just rocking a hard place, isn't it? The IPI stuff though, one of the groups I'm mean, um, in, there was a guy that did some experimentation on IPI scores and how to move the needle. And he actually felt that the the four metrics that uh that are there, which is the in-stock and out of stock and all that sort of stuff, those metrics actually aren't that relevant in terms of moving the needle. What mm. he found through several different seller accounts that he controls was that it? he believes that it was more about the amount of money that you're spending on storage per month um, as a ratio to the amount of revenue that that product was making. Right? Mm, so, makes sense. so what that meant was is let's say you're doing $1,000 in sales. Um, if you're spending less than half 5%, which I think at the time was, you know, what was 50 bucks a month on storage, that would improve the IPI score. But if you were spending $100 a month on storage on $1,000 of sales, then you've, um, that would move it in the opposite direction in the wrong way. So your IPI score would drop. And so there's there's something in there as well that might be worth exploring for some sellers that are um, really trying to move the needle on IPI.
1: Yeah, I guess that's just being overstocked, isn't it? Um, yeah. That's what they don't want. Even though it's more money for them, they don't want that money because it, it um, prohibits them from being able to have space for the fast-moving stuff.
0: Mm. In fact, I think it might have even been. Half a percent, yeah. I can't quite remember. I'll need yeah. to go back and have a look at the the post again. But it was a pretty interesting uh, uh, situation. Well, an interesting theory. Um, so you, we talked a lot about inventory. Well, we are talking a lot about inventory management. Mm. Last time we spoke in 2017, we talked a lot about trying to manage cash flow. And obviously, inventory and having a lot of money tied up with inventory is something that um, <laughs> you can really impact cash flow. It's yes, a very cash flow-intensive in business. <laughs> yeah, it's the number one, isn't it? isn't it yeah so what, what sort of inventory methodology are you using at the moment
1: No, uh, look it's um I'll, I'll take a step back and i'll say that uh i i, I remember clearly a, a conversation with my accountant um not too long ago um and yeah you know, i was saying we were sitting there looking at the numbers and, and he was saying oh well, you know you're making all this money and i was saying but i'm not like where is the money it's not coming into the bank account and then he sort of looked a little bit deeper because they only look deeper when you actually instruct them to um, mm-hmm. and uh, and he was like well oh it 's all in your inventory then you 've got far too much inventory you 're inventory rich and you 're cash poor mm-hmm. and those words just stung. I was like, "Geez like, and, you know, and he was right. we had like almost a year a whole year 's worth of inventory that you know sitting in the warehouse kind of thing because um, mm-hmm. we had just been super conservative and just ordering way too much and ordering really infrequently. Um, so, you know, because it was such a painful process to order, we we're only ordering probably four times a year. So these mm. huge gargantuan orders, um, uh, that then just strip all the money out of your, your bank account. Um, and a Christmas order yeah, in addition was just even worse, you know, and, um, it got to the point where in 20, uh, 2018, uh, oh. I had to take out a, a loan for my Christmas order of 345000 um, from Amazon, luckily, they actually even offered it to me i don 't know what I would have done otherwise um, but I was just it just didn 't feel right that five years into this business, um, supposedly making all this money on paper that my accountant was so sort of proud of. Um, that I was getting further and further in debt each year with with Amazon um, mm. and so it really hit home I need to get super serious on the, on the inventory side of this business because it's just a massive part of it that I didn't have the greatest skill set in so mm-hmm. um, I thought you know I'm just going to see if I can find a part-time sort of inventory manager to, to help me um, put the right things in place and yeah. I found a guy a local guy in Ad, in, in Adelaide where I live um, mm-hmm. and yeah he was a university graduate of inventory management and he was he was cheap but he had some 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 mouse in this area. Um, And what he helped us work out was that what we needed to do was place much more frequent, smaller orders. So Mm -hmm. he put in place a system where instead of doing placing an order every three months for all of our products, instead, let's try and do monthly um, for one third of our product list each time. And by Mm -hmm. doing one third of our product list each time, it meant that we were able to meet the minimum order quantity for just those products. That's right. So if you're trying to order your entire list for just uh, every single month, then your orders uh, quantities are going to be so small for each product that um, you won't meet the minimum order quantity. But if you're still ordering for 90 days worth of inventory at a time, Mm -hmm. um, then you're going to meet the minimum order quantity. And then what we did was we just, yeah, split our list into list um, A, B, and C, and in January, we'd order list A, February list B, and and March list C, and then just repeat that throughout the year. And by doing that, um, it was incredible, the, the the tangible impact. So not only did we pay off um, the 345000 in in that 12 months, but we ended up with more than $200,000 cash at hand by the end of that point to then pay for my next Christmas order uh, in cash without having to borrow any more money from Amazon, which I haven't had to do ever since. Um, so the That's cash, a revelation. Yeah, yeah, it is. So the cash mm-hmm. flow turnaround from then was absolutely huge. The only issue at that point was that, I was still dependent on someone to always physically be doing the work, which I wasn't that comfortable with. I wanted to systematize it. Um, and also he, he, he made a lot of just errors with, because uh, you're doing a lot of V lookups bringing a lot of different reports, stock at hand reports, um, sales reports, you know, all this kind of sales history and stuff, combining lots of spreadsheets, and it was always prone to error. Um, mm-hmm. And I got really sick of of just finding huge errors in, in just the way that we were merging the data. So I wanted to use my web development sort of background um, to... Uh, to try to to try to automate this process. And initially it was just an internal tool that I was building for my own company. Um, mm. And it was, yeah, it was going to do what, exactly what you think. It was going to bring in um, all the Amazon data um, from the API uh, and it was just going to run some forecasting algorithms and tell us what to order. Uh, yeah. What I also wanted it to do was to not just tell us what to order, but how to ship it. Um, and that's what was really missing from the existing um, uh, restocking tools that were out there. Um, there was the, the fact that they don't tell you where to ship it and how to ship it. So how much to go by air, how much to go by sea, how much to mm-hmm. go to Amazon, how much to go to our 3PL provider. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also, and I didn't really trust their their data and I didn't really trust, um, I just didn't, I, I couldn't see, there was no transparency as to how they were coming up with their 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 forecast Forecast. just like just order this and you're like okay it's hundreds of thousands (laughs) of dollars so i didn't really like and i couldn't control it i couldn't manipulate it the way i wanted to because i didn't understand it either so it it, it was so limiting so i I just figured that i I would just build my own thing Mm. and then as it got built i realized this is actually what Probably a lot of FBA sellers are going to enjoy. Like if I need it, then a lot of other people are going to need it. And if I build what I truly want, wish list and and you know um, bells and whistles, then other mm. people are really going to enjoy that as well. So that's what we're doing. We, we're building a, a product called Restock Revolution, and um, we're hoping to go live, you know, in the next couple of months. Um, and it's a really beautiful piece of software that's super easy to use, super accurate, um, and it places. Not only the order, but then it it also then when you're ready to generate the shipping labels for your supplier, um, it also then you put it into that order into shipping status, and it'll spit out this is how much you need to send to each of these um, to Amazon versus your three PL, and this is how to ship it, and um, you just download those packing lists, and away you go. You can go and create those shipments. You can give that all to your 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 agent or your suppliers. Um, yeah, they've got everything they need, and um, yeah, just it just follows the offline process all the way through, uh, and we just tried to mirror that. In in the software, so yeah, it's really exciting.
0: You have a massive Amazon business. Is Restock Revolution going to be a product for smaller sellers, or yes,
1: yeah? Okay. Um, what I would like to do, um, so obviously. You've got different tiers, and so the way that we're we're basing our pricing is is sheerly on the number of orders that um not not orders that they generate through the system, but actually the orders that they sell on Amazon. Um, so if you're you know a massive seller, probably like us, then it might be mm. up to two hundred and fifty dollars a month, which is still the most reasonable rate out there That's in the market. Very reasonable. Um, yeah. and um, and for smaller sellers, sort of up to one thousand a month, it's thirty nine dollars per month. So we really want to help smaller sellers, um, mm. and and you know help them grow. And hopefully, if they if they do that with our system, then they can sort of move through the tiers, and we win and they win.
0: <laughs> Grow with them. So, how do we find out more about Restock Revolution? Is there a website or anything? Yeah, at the moment? look,
1: or- we've got a we've got a website. It's still um, obviously it's in development at the moment, so there's nothing really to to see too much. Um, but mm-hmm. it's you know, restockrevolution.com. Um, and if anyone would like to be part of um, the beta testing group that's coming up, so sort of a selection of people who are willing to, to give it a bash with their their live account um, and, and give us feedback that we really need from a wide range of sellers, then um, yeah, head over there and, um, and just sort of submit the contact us form. That'd be fantastic.
0: Yes, I, I would strongly recommend anybody that uh, has, a, has a good sized Amazon business or even a smaller one to go and check that out and become part of the beta group. That's awesome. You also mentioned... As well, off air that you got yourself a CFO. Yeah, interesting situation. Yeah, that's, too. That's that's
1: probably one of the biggest decisions that we've made, and, and the biggest material impact that that our businesses has had in its entire journey. Um, so again, I mean, I mentioned before I was sort of talk talking about accountants with a little bit of disdain, because I've we've got a US entity like an LLC, we've got an Australian company. Uh, the Australian company offers managed services to the US company there's a licensing agreement there it was quite it's quite technical tax structure and things like that it just sort of was what, what we fell into um, and uh, you know I sort of wanted to get my my ducks in a row I just didn't feel like it was an optimal structure I didn't feel like I was like that I was making sure that I wasn't going to get tapped on the shoulder by the IRS or the ATO and you know what are you doing and where's the money flowing and you should be paying us more tax so I really wanted to get some sound advice on that Um, I've got a high street accounting firm in Australia because we got serious about that high street accounting firm in the US, uh, a tax attorney, 500 bucks an hour that they recommended. Um, and I just was sitting in these meetings, just going, I have no idea what any of you are talking about. No one is actually taking the time to make sure that I understand what's being said here. And I'm the one who has to make the decisions. Mm. Um, and I just felt like there was no one on my side of the table, even though I'm supposedly paying for all these people to be on my side. So it just dawned on me that, that what I needed was was yeah literally someone in-house someone on my side. so I just looked up on on Upwork um, you Mm -hmm. know a a freelance CFO and I found a guy um, who had um, he'd cut his teeth KPMG back in the day but then he'd had 20 years client-side experience um, you know head of finance type thing of, of large corporations and he was actually now and that was in Canada and North America. So he ran you know, heads of finance for both organizations in those those areas. But he was mm. actually living in Australia. And then it turned oh, out he was even in Adelaide. And I was like, oh, well, let's get coffee. Perfect. And he was just one of these personalities who you meet who's, who's so experienced, but yet also really calm and really just a, a great communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I brought him into the fold and he'd come along to these meetings and and he would be my right-hand guy and he would be explaining these concepts to me and and, and just fact-checking and making sure that, that, you know, doing the due diligence, but making sure that these accountants could back up what they said. And he ended up having recommendations and pointing things out that, that none of them were, were doing. Um, and we ended up going with his recommendations because eventually everyone was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah, we should definitely do that. And we <laughs> never would have done those things if he hadn't been there. And then the best thing was going away from those meetings where, you know, he and I were driving away. Together and um, I'd be like, so uh, there's a few action items out of that meeting. Are you, you? Can you just do them? He's like, sure, can, Matt. Oh, like, brilliant! So he goes off and and then you know ticks all those boxes and um and does all the action items and puts everything in place. And the material outcome for us has been immeasurable. I mean, we just. I won't say the exact numbers, but mm. we've now been able to basically pay off our, our home loan in about two years. Um, the numbers were always there from a revenue point of view, but I think combined with the cash flow and just, the he put um, measures in place to make sure that the money was hitting our personal bank account. And that's what was missing before. Um, so having mm. those structures um, and having someone like that, and he's only part-time and he's $90 an hour. So um, yeah, Dan, yeah. love you. You've changed my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on your Dan. On your Dan. I'd like to uh have a coffee with Dan one day.
1: Everyone um, would like to have a coffee with Dan. He's amazing.
0: <laughs> What's happened with Trailhopper, Matt? That's that was your new business in 2017. Oh, mate. <laughs> Tell right. me about that.
1: Yeah, so Trailhopper is a hop on hop off winery uh tour in South Australia. It goes to Barossa Valley, McLaren Vale, Adelaide Hills. We started um probably not not long before 2017 um and yeah we became the number one tour in town on TripAdvisor um applying a lot of the same online marketing smarts that we do use on Amazon but yeah we were going out uh we were probably taking we had three buses going out um you know six tours each Saturday and Sunday plus a lot of weekday tours uh we were um you know we hired five drivers all of that and then corona corona hit um, yeah. and, yeah. um, it's just basically been dead in the water since then. Um, you know, people on job keeper who were eligible for job keeper, we've lost a lot of, um, staff, just p- people moving back home, wherever that is, Queensland or whatever. Um, unfortunately one guy, he just missed out on job keeper because he wasn't, didn't have the 12 months. Um, he was 11 months with us, so he missed out. So he had to be oh. job seeker, which meant yeah. that he was then for, he was unemployed and and in order to get Centrelink he needed to be applying for all the jobs that they force you to do and he ended up just recently just as we're trying to think about reopening he ended up um, getting another accepting another job in an industry that he does that he's got no experience in and so now we have to replace him with someone who has no experience in our company and so this is the kind of the this is the big missing part that the government didn't get right about that I think they really threw the a lot of the casuals under the bus there I mean I thought JobKeeper is fantastic but the 12-month caveat restriction has meant that we've lost people that we really so wanted much to talent. retain yeah that
0: experience yeah that's yeah. so disappointing so it sounds like it's just it, it'll you know, come back yeah it's mothballed it's not dead yeah, and, yeah um, exactly and you luckily know, you we, can, don't, we don't don't rely mm. on
1: that for, for for a crust thankfully it was always just about hiring local and um just trying to yeah. trying to do something local mm.
0: good on you matt and, and supporting um, not only the wineries, but yeah, people and creating a, yeah, creating a
1: business. Yeah, exactly, mate. It's all about people. That's probably been one of my biggest learnings since we um, last spoke uh, mm. on on your podcast is putting the right people in place and taking care of those people. Whether it's my you know VA in the Philippines, um, you know, really trying to take care of her, even when there's not enough work for her. Just making sure she's got what she needs to live on. Um, she's got that certainty no matter what. Um, Mm -hmm. other staff who work across multiple of my businesses just making sure that they're always taken care of um that they've got certainty um and you know i I take that same approach whether it's customers or staff um it's just about being human and trying to do the right thing and and luckily you know amazon this business has given us the, the the resources to be able to impact a lot of people's lives and i just try to do it the right way and
0: it seems to work tell me um what does the future hold for your amazon business in particular uh,
1: it's an interesting question i i think when restock revolution is um fully functional um uh, you know properly finished and and mm-hmm. then we're building out more and more modules on that it's going to be really exciting what that offers for my business but also for anyone else who signed up with it um so i'm really looking to having that as a core piece of of the, the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think for now, we're just going to be rolling out more, you know, more products as we, as we're able to find them. Um, Watching the Amazon landscape really, really closely. Um, We're still very beholden to China supply chain. So watching, I guess the American political landscape as well, quite closely to see what's happening there. It seems so far we've kind of dodged, dodged a bullet, but that's unresolved, I would say. Um, So it's kind of just managing these things. Um, We don't have epic growth plans to go into Europe. And and again, Mm. Brexit and all of the uncertainty there, I'm kind of glad that we didn't do that. Um, We haven't gone off different channels like Walmart and things like that, eBay, partly because... It just feels you know you've got to follow the eighty twenty rule, and it just feels like you can spend a whole lot of time spinning your wheels with that stuff for maybe a you know a ten percent increase in sales for a hell of a lot more complexity and um, and energy, and so we really just try to stay true to to, to what works for us. Um, so. Uh, and because I put in place all these different structures, you know, we've got the PPC, we've got the, the inventory management side, we've got mm-hmm. the personnel with the virtual assistant, uh, we've got the financials all under control. Now we've got the tax side under control. Um, to be honest with you, Chris, I sort of feel like I've set this business up a- enough that it can it can do great things, and we're having the biggest year ever by a long way. Um, mm-hmm. That's what allows me to look to to, to leveraging the Starpack success, um, uh, the Amazon business success, to um, to then um, be able to to, to, to to create other businesses and other yeah, revenue right. streams, yeah,
0: yeah, and diversify. Yep. One last question, which is sort of actually going back to some of the things that we've spoken about, but we haven't actually touched on tariffs. You mentioned right. the political situation in the United States. Yeah. How big an impact was tariffs on your business?
1: Almost. None, but I don't know uh, quite how or why. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like we got charged many tariffs. Um,
0: at, Snuck under.
1: Yeah, I think our category Something. and I think that the trade deals kind of got started at the right time, just when things were about to hit. Um, it mm. was all kind of so rushed and so um, sort of all over the place that I don't think a lot of officials even knew how to be charging the tariffs and, and what to be doing. So um, I don't Gosh. feel
0: like we got hit too hard you were lucky i did a recent shipment of about 650 units lcl right uh by a C. sea the sea freight charge was uh, 520 bucks and the tariffs was 1275 oh, wow right yeah. so uh yeah that 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 stung a bit anyway a lot cheaper than going by air at the moment that's for sure
1: yeah that's true yeah
0: uh anyway, um, Hey, listen, Matt, thank you again for coming on the show. I always love Pleasure. hanging out and, um, you know, catching up. Certainly once all these lockdowns are over and the restrictions are lifted and COVID hopefully is gone or there's a vaccine, let's catch up at the uh, at the Napier Hotel in Fitzroy again for, <laughs> for another counter lunch. <laughs> Sounds <there>. great. Or, <laughs> maybe, uh,
1: or maybe Soho in Hong Kong um, if we're let's able to go that. there.
0: Let's do that. Let's go back to Chom Chom. Why not? And, um, yeah, yeah. God, I'd love to get back to Hong Kong. I miss it. I miss it badly. Me too. But uh, hey, let, we've got a big future ahead of us. So uh, yeah, looking forward to catching up with you really soon. And again, super grateful for you to come back on. It's a oh. great full circle experience to have you on the very first episode practically, and now back for the the three figure one hundred episode. So my thanks. pleasure.
1: My pleasure, Chris. All the best, and um, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, mate.
0: Great things. All right. Awesome. Take care, buddy. All right. You too. Catch ya. All links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.